0: What's up guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown, I'm your host Jake Burns and we are checking in for your weekend edition Saturday here, I have a pretty good episode for you guys, I think it's got some uh, interesting talking points and we're going to continue our college draft series where we take a look at players the Browns drafted from those who know them best, but I wanted to touch base before we got there on a couple of things that Happened today, which in your, if you paid attention, there's a rookie minicamp happened today. So the Browns brought in their rookies and those who they have signed for tryouts, uh, so on and so forth. And from everything you gather, pretty great day from David Bell, uh, the guys that they, uh, they're, they're very high on. Uh, a lot of reports of Bell making some impressive catches on throws outside of his frame. And then, obviously, some great interviews from Perion Winfrey and others, and we'll continue to monitor what we hear from those. Our own Fred Greetham puts a story up every day for you guys to take a look at, has some great video work as well, so check that out to see what's going on with the Browns rookies. It looks like most of them have signed. There are a couple of remaining signings that need to happen, but going pretty smoothly in the signing of all of these rookies, and... You know, makes you remember the old days when all of these rookie holdouts would happen and it'd be a difficult challenge to bring in your rookies quickly and get them under contract. And that's just not the case anymore for the most part. It seems like the only thing that we saw of late that was any thing of significance with these rookie contracts, usually signing bonus, how much guys get up front, but then the offset language can be something as well in terms of if a guy is cut, so another team would take over that money if a guy was cut so you wouldn't get as much money but uh, it looks like most of those things have been worked out pretty standard these days some ticky tacky things get argued but for the most part not all too much with these rookie contracts as david bell signed his four year 4.894 million dollar deal and uh, martin emerson has obviously signed his as well so the biggest names have signed i think Cade york still remains unsigned we'll see how that shakes out but not uh not a whole lot to discuss on the contract front because it's pretty simple. The big contract that got uh, some traction finally last night was this signing of Jarvis Landry, who had been connected to a potential return to the Browns for months, it seems like. He ends up going to the Saints on a one-year deal worth up to $6 million. It was always going to be that type of contract. I would imagine Cleveland had been in the ballpark of something like that, incentive-based, and Usually what happens is the team that cuts the guy or doesn't give him the money that the original contract had, if they didn't void it or, or make a move for the dead cap situations is the type of thing where they don't go back to that team unless they're offered a nice deal. They go somewhere else. This was always the outcome I thought was most plausible. And I personally wanted nothing to do with Landry back on this team. I don't think he serves a great purpose for what they're trying to be. And Listen, I I wish him nothing but the best. I've enjoyed every second of Jarvis's time in Cleveland. I think he was a great leader, handled himself really well during some difficult times, especially with Odell here and some of the drama that was circulating during those times. But for the most part, I think, again, he did his best here. The Browns got a lot out of him for the contract that they gave him, and it all worked out for everybody. But it is time to move on. So congrats to Jarvis on his signing with New Orleans. We'll see what happens with the Browns, whether they're able to bring some new folks in at the end of this month or when they get a little bit more cap relief at the turnover of the next month and getting some relief from the June 1st cut situation. So we will continue to keep our eye on available options in those markets. As lately, ESPN's Bill Barnwell had, I guess, projected the Browns would sign Clowney and then and Sue who does not play, I mean, he doesn't miss games, which that's great, but he's predominantly a three-tech, which the Browns have plenty of those, and his snap count numbers have decreased. Now, even though the snap count numbers have gone down with age, he still could be useful in a rotational assignment and obviously brings a wealth of experience and leadership, but we'll have to see what ultimately shakes out there. I just have a hard time totally seeing that one happen. But we do think the Browns are going to be serious players for a veteran free agent defensive tackle of some kind, so let's... Just see what happens in that market. Now, let's get over to our guest, who I think is going to do such a great job for you guys explaining these Oklahoma-drafted prospects. So let's get over to our interview with Parker Thune right now.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
0: This is pretty rare to see the Browns draft three players from the same team. Not a team that, you know, Cleveland fans don't have experience with, but nonetheless, we can we can knock one of these out because I spend a lot of time on these, Parker, trying to find, like, different folks from different areas to have conversations with. It's a little more esoteric if you talk about, like, UAB. They drafted a guy out of UAB. So I'm pretty excited to have Parker Thune on, who does a great job covering OU football and recruiting for OUinsider.com, part of the 247 Sports Network. Parker, thanks for joining us, man, and giving us your time and insights. Absolutely, Jake. Not a problem. Excited to do so. Well, let's talk about three guys. They got three guys from Oklahoma, all all day three guys here, obviously. It starts with Perry on Winfrey. I think we have a pretty good idea. The character, uh, like the, the, the enigmatic, I don't know what the right way to put it is, but my gosh, does he have a lot of energy. Did that happen all the time at OU? Like, talk about him. I know he came as a Juco player, so enlighten us a little about his story and his just general aura, which seems to be unique.
3: Yeah, enigmatic is probably the right word there, Jake, because he is he is a wild man, which to an extent is exactly what you want in a defensive tackle. Now, uh, his personality is pretty subdued off the field, but you get him on the field. Man, and you get him in a competitive environment, there's just a switch that flips and you get a different Perrion Winfrey. And I think you saw a lot of those traits that he has personality wise in his performance at the Senior Bowl, for instance, Uh, because the the Oklahoma version of Perrion Winfrey, the Perrion Winfrey that Sooner fans saw in 2020 and 2021. The concern with him was always whether he would turn it on on a snap in, snap out basis, because when that guy wanted to get after the quarterback, when he wanted to go make a play, he was one of the most fearsome players in college football. But this is where that enigmatic note kind of seeps in, because there were some plays where he just would be a non-factor. And whether it was a matter of effort, whether it was a matter of want to, whether it was just a matter of. Conditioning or consistency, whatever the case, uh, that was the Perrion Winfrey that Sooner fans became acquainted with at a certain point in time. Was a guy that could go make any play on the field when he wanted to, but on every snap, it was a question: Well, is Perrion Winfrey going to show up on this particular play? So, uh, I think enigmatic is certainly the right word. But look, the reality is with that guy. I think now that he's got the fire under his belly of being. In his perception, a lot of folks' perception, under drafted. There were not a lot of people that expected him to last until day three. I think the Perry on Winfrey that you can count on getting in Cleveland uh, is a guy that's going to have a little bit more want to on every snap.
0: Were you surprised that he fell that far? Was there general consensus around Oklahoma? Because I'm I'm curious from the Oklahoma group, like what you guys thought of him. Sometimes it seems guys get drafted in locations either early or later. And you're like, I can't, you know, from covering this guy, I can't believe he went there. And I I know that Jordan Reed of ESPN had him mocked to Cleveland at 44, just a couple weeks before the draft. So to see him slide to day three and and where the Browns got him, were you guys pretty surprised by that? And what do you think contributes to him being available there?
3: Yeah, I was surprised by that, Jake. And I know that there were very credible experts in the field the week of the draft that had Perrion Winfrey mocked into the back end of the first round. So for mm-hmm. him to last all the way until day three and most most reasonable projections had him in the back half of the second round or the early part of the third round. But there were some folks that were very, very high on him after his performance of the senior bowl to such a degree that they had him there in the back end of the first round of the early second. But uh, from what I understand, Jake, in talking to folks that. Uh, Have knowledge of the situation and kind of run in those NFL draft circles. Uh, He didn't interview particularly well, which let's be honest, in general, that only matters until you're drafted. So I don't necessarily view that as a long term concern for Perry on Winfrey, but uh, didn't interview well. Uh, from my understanding and then obviously the concerns regarding the tape were kind of the same things I just expressed to you about uh, the ability to be consistent in your level of effort snap in and snap out and so I figured that Perrion Winfrey once he didn't come off the board in the first round I figured it would be till the latter stage of day two before somebody pulled the trigger on him I don't think anybody would have foreseen uh, that he would slide all the way to pick number 108 in the fourth round. So I think the Browns got outstanding value there, picking up Perion Winfrey uh, at the very beginning of day three.
0: Yeah, that's the hope, right? Is you get you get somebody because something happens that is out of their control. Maybe teams don't like the way they interview. They don't like the way something around them. Uh, that Like if you're going to get a real player day, day three, rounds four through seven, there's just something. And, and that's something, the varying levels of that something are out there. It doesn't seem like Perrion is anything other than you just have to like the the vibe, right? You have to like the energy. You have to be able to control the personality that comes with him that we've seen. And I think, like you said, especially based on his initial interviews with folks in Cleveland, is that he is going to be high energy all the like a lot. Like I think he's going to bring it. He's excited, so hopefully that translates. Uh, let's let's shift over to Michael Woods. I would say that not many people. In Cleveland, and I would say you had to be really into the draft to know Mike his name well. He arrives as a transfer from Arkansas. Enlighten me a little on why he came to Oklahoma, what the surrounding thing there was with his transfer, and just what you thought of him. And I know it was a, a weird year with quarterback change and stuff there in Norman, but just curious what you thought of the player as well.
3: Yeah, well. <laughs> As far as the transfer is concerned, Jake, uh, that was quite a set of circumstances, and obviously for those the folks that are in tune uh, with the college football scene and understand all of what has gone down this off season with Lincoln Riley at USC and all of the transfers that he's brought in out there in SoCal, uh, you understand if you're paying attention. Uh, That while you wouldn't necessarily overtly call it tampering, there's been some very clever back channeling in order to Mm. get some of those players to USC. And it was the same situation when Mike Woods came from Arkansas to Oklahoma. Mike Woods played the spring game at Arkansas last April. 72 hours later was in the transfer portal. And then 48 hours after that was on campus at Oklahoma. So it's kind of an open secret there that there was some uh, finagling done in order to get Mike Woods from Fayetteville to Oklahoma. But if you look at what he did in what was a putrid Arkansas offense while he was there, the production was pretty impressive. And I think he could have had similar production in 2021 at Oklahoma, just based on the physical skills that he brings to the table. If he and every other wide receiver on that roster hadn't been misused by Lincoln, Riley, He subjected those wide receivers to death by a thousand cuts and spread the ball around, spread the wealth to a fault. The Sooners had five receivers, Jake that recorded over 30 catches in 2021 but none of those individuals recorded more than 40 catches. So wow. that gives you an idea of just how much rotation, uh, just how much, you know, guys running on and off the field and I I I would imagine the the onus behind that is to get everybody an equal snap count but there're just some guys that are far too talented to not be on the field at every opportunity and I don't think Mike Woods was the most talented wide receiver on Oklahoma's roster last year. I think that honor goes to Marvin Mims. But when you look at what Woods brings to the table, six foot one, 205 pounds, sub four, five speed, he became one of the SEC's premier deep threats at Arkansas. Now the concern with him, and I think you especially see it on tape this past year at Oklahoma, is he doesn't have a whole lot of diversity in his route running. It's a lot of hitches and a lot of go routes, a lot of straight line type of routes for Mike Woods. So uh, basically what you're counting on at this point in time is you're counting on a guy that can stretch the field. You're counting on a guy that can go up and get some 50, 50 balls because of the size, but you're also, especially in the sixth round counting on a guy where if he's going to stick, if he's going to make the 53 man roster and he's going to be a long-term contributor for an NFL team, he's going to have to put in the work to diversify his arsenal as a route runner. So If that can happen with Mike Woods, if he can get to Cleveland's camp and prove that he's capable of running every single route in the route tree efficiently and dexterously, then this is a guy that has all the physical tools to be an NFL wide receiver long term. If not, then he may be a one-trick pony at the next level. And if that's what he ends up being, he's a pretty good one-trick pony. I don't want to take anything away from him. But I, I do think the ceiling is high for him. And the floor's pretty high, too, all things considered, for the value that the Browns got in the sixth round for Mike Woods.
0: Yeah, I would say, would, would you guys have thought he was getting drafted, or did you see him as being an under-the-radar type of guy who maybe went undrafted and got to pick his destination? Because he didn't make a ton of noise. Now, some of that is playing for some bad Arkansas teams, and Arkansas turned it around after, obviously, that the year he left. They found some better quarterback play. But, yeah, I, I just am curious what you feel like the level of Total talent. Is is he a special teams guy, you think, a little bit? Could he do some of that stuff, too? He didn't do a whole lot of special teams at Oklahoma.
3: Well, I don't think he did any special teams at Oklahoma. So uh, maybe that becomes an area of his game that the Cleveland coaching staff tries to uh, cultivate some skills in. Uh, but i I had him pegged as a seventh round pick jake i thought he was getting drafted i was actually surprised a little bit when he got drafted as high as he did though Uh, he's a guy that probably would have benefited from another year at the collegiate level it did surprise a lot of folks when he declared for the draft in the immediate aftermath of caleb williams making his announcement that he was going to hit the transfer portal woods had another year of eligibility if he wanted it and look at the numbers he put up in 2021, 35 catches, 400 yards, two touchdowns. And again, that has a lot to do with the way that Lincoln Riley used his wide receivers. But I think the consensus expectation was that Mike Woods was going to come back for another year at Oklahoma. And if he had come back and if he had been able to improve upon those numbers and get his production back to what it was for those couple of years at Arkansas, that was a guy that probably could have worked his way into third, fourth, fifth round type of territory in next year's NFL draft.
0: Yeah, I definitely think the Browns are drawn to some of his GPS data as a mover on the field rather than some of the testing numbers too. I think they see a lot of upside, untapped upside, which is what you're talking about, which is if you go back, have more production in a year, you're a mid-round guy, and then all of a sudden the perception changes. So they tried to get out in front of that a little bit. I'm I'm fascinated with him. And I think he's a guy that people are writing off a little too early. And the good thing is for these drafted Oklahoma prospects and especially these guys day three is that Andrew Barry in his two years of drafting up until, you know, this year is his third. He has not cut a single player he has drafted yet. So it does bode well for him making the roster. I'm fascinated to see how he handles himself getting around Amari Cooper and some guys like, uh, like that, who can teach him some things. And and we, we were lucky enough to have him on one of our OBR podcasts recently and really like the young man in terms of his, uh, you know, the, just the personality, the way he talks about the game, the way he talks about uh, the way he, you know, loves football and the things about Cleveland he's excited about. So we're we're happy to have him. Another guy that listen, this is I, I've talked to some Oklahoma people, Parker, and this is a guy that it seems like snuck through the draft. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, first of all, great sports name. Let's start there. Second of all, this guy has NFL in uh, an NFL future. I mean, it's it's a seventh round pick, and sometimes these are lottery tickets. But it seems like based on what I talked to people, this guy was a real part of the Oklahoma front. Tell me about him and, and tell tell me about what you think his NFL future looks like.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Jake. I don't claim to be an NFL draft expert, but I have no idea how Isaiah Thomas lasted until the seventh round. I really don't. I mean, this is a guy that when you look at what he did the last couple of years at Oklahoma from a production standpoint, and you look at what he brings to the table physically at 6'6", 260 pounds. The fact that he played both inside and outside at Oklahoma. So he's demonstrated versatility. And you look at his repertoire of moves. This is not your average seventh round pick. This is not the type of guy that you traditionally find on the draft board in the seventh round. So this might have been the Browns' best value of the entire draft. Getting Isaiah Thomas in the early stages of round seven. I love Isaiah Thomas uh, got to know him really well uh, over the course of his career at Oklahoma. He is a guy of outstanding character. He's a hard worker. It took him a long time to crack it at Oklahoma. He was virtually a non-factor until his redshirt junior season, but when it all came together for him, man, it came together fast. He went from, I think third on the depth chart at defensive end and defensive tackle in 2019 to the team's sack leader and one of the most disruptive defensive linemen in all of college football in that abbreviated 2020 season. Now, I know the concern with him in NFL draft circles was that he might be a bit of a tweener. You know, he's maybe too small or too slight to play defensive end, but he's not quite bulked up enough and might not have the ability to bulk up enough to play defensive tackle. So there were a lot of folks that weren't really sure what Isaiah Thomas's fit was going to be at the next level. But I feel much the same way about Isaiah Thomas, as I do about another Oklahoma guy that went to the Denver Broncos at the tail end of the second round in Nick Benito. I understand the concerns about size, but at a certain point you just have to look at what the guy has done against top flight talent in the big 12 which has produced as a conference, some pretty impressive offensive tackles the last few years. You look at what they have done from a production standpoint and from a pressure rate standpoint in particular. And at what point do the size concerns become moot? And I'm not saying that you don't pay attention to those because obviously there's a stark discrepancy between the level of football that you're going to get in the big 12 versus the NFL. And so, you're going to be going against the best of the best every single snap in the NFL. But these are guys that have proven for the last couple of years that they are capable of getting after the passer, regardless of who they're lined up against on a regular basis. And especially for Isaiah Thomas, a guy who's a lot bigger than a lot more than a lot of the effective pass rushers over the last couple of years in the college game Man, the skills that he will bring to the Browns organization and the skills that I would imagine he'll start flashing in training camp. Uh, This is a guy that has the potential to start for Cleveland. Maybe not right away. I think that's high expectation for any seventh round pick, obviously, but two, three years down the road, you could be seeing this guy in the lineup every Sunday.
0: Yeah. I'm fascinated by how he comes in. and, And sometimes when you're a guy selected at a position, the way they took Alex Wright in the third round, you get drafted as a 7th rounder and you just want to prove them wrong and and there's just a lot of there's a lot of good alignment here for these three guys to make immediate impacts and it's it's interesting it's almost uncanny to see three from the same school and all three have a pretty clear path to being contributors i mean Perion Winfrey comes in and immediately is their most talented defensive tackle now that tells you where the Browns defensive tackle situation is but nonetheless tells you that they think they got a guy that can contribute right away and is a good football player. Isaiah Thomas has a clear path to rotational edge snaps with the potential for something more. And then clearly the Browns wide receiver situation, although they added David Bell and Amari Cooper has an opportunity for people to see snaps as well. So all three of these guys come into opportunity based situations where they're not digging out of a hole right away. They got a real chance to go. So Parker, those were fantastic insights on all three of them. I would be remiss though, if I didn't at least ask you this question, the Browns in Oklahoma are on, on, they're on tough footing right now. I don't think that's a secret. All right. Maybe this is the, uh, f- the, the franchise here is saying, Hey, you know, Baker didn't work out the way we hoped, but we're going to keep bringing in more of your guy. Like, what's the feeling around Baker from somebody who's, you know, been close to him at Oklahoma and all of that is there like, it's not just Cleveland though. It's the rest of the NFL is kind of playing this game too. Like there's, there's clearly an NFL quarterback in there and he's going to have a chance at some point, but it's been a really weird 365 days for him, right?
3: Well, it really has. And I'll tell you this much, Jake, I think the perception all across the board is that, well, at this point, the Cleveland Browns just signed Deshaun Watson to that quarter billion dollar contract. Uh, They're committed to Watson as their starter going forward. And it's kind of an open secret that they have to ditch Mayfield, right? Because he's not going to play for them. And so, his trade value therefore is virtually zero. So, I'm not expecting and I think anybody that was expecting that Baker Mayfield was going to get moved immediately was kidding themselves. It may be till July or August before Baker Mayfield has a landing spot, but I'll tell you this much. I think from the Oklahoma fan base's perspective, the way that they look at Baker Mayfield's situation in Cleveland, you know, they take a look at what a buzz saw Cleveland has been for quarterbacks over the years and I think the general consensus is that he really hasn't gotten a fair shake and all things considered what the Browns have been able to accomplish on the football field over the four years that Baker Mayfield has been their star. Well, that's arguably been the best four year period for the Cleveland Browns since their reinception in 1999. And so yeah. I, I think that it's probably be- I I think it's good that things unfolded this way. If that makes sense, because it just makes a lot of sense at this point in time for the Browns and Mayfield to part ways. And that's not necessarily a referendum on either party. That's just the reality of the situation at a certain point. It happens from time to time. The New England Patriots and Tom Brady were at the same place in 2020. So this is the type of thing, especially between quarterbacks and franchises, that happens every now and again. I think Baker Mayfield's going to get another shot. And Like you said, there's there's an NFL quarterback there somewhere. You just got to unlock the potential and got to keep him healthy for 16 games. But uh, I I, I do think that, you know, consider this, Jake, back in 2018, the Oklahoma fan base was so passionate and fervent about wanting to see Baker Mayfield play on Sundays (laughs) that the NFL made Oklahoma part of the Cleveland television market so that they could watch him every week. That's how much this fan base loves Baker Mayfield. So there's probably going to be a bitter taste in the mouths of a lot of OU fans for years to come because of how this has all gone down. Again, I'm not really sure how avoidable it was, but it's pretty obvious at this point that it behooves both of these parties to kind of go their separate ways moving forward.
0: It does. I just need to close with this question because I think it's I think it's what we all need right now. Do you see a path to a healing between listen? A lot of Oklahoma fans carved a path in Brown's Twitter because of Baker. There's no doubt that Baker had an uh, emotional impact on that university that maybe, maybe no other sooner has had. I don't know. I can't speak to that, but it's pretty clear that they love him. And it's been an ugly six months here. Four, four, five, whatever months. I don't know how many total it's been. Four, I lose track of time. Five, six months do you think we can heal if these they're they're taking Oklahoma guys they're trying do you think there's a path to healing here that's all we need to know Parker from your side you're representing all of Oklahoma I'm representing all of Cleveland (laughs) can we come to a truce and just say hey it didn't work out we respect Baker we wanted it to work out better he probably wanted it to work out better but we can hopefully find a truce in the middle and come together as friends again can we do that
3: I mean, look, man, I don't want to speak for the entirety of (laughs) the state of Oklahoma or for the Sooner fan base because you got people that will hold grudges for decades. I don't question that, you know, there will be randos on Twitter complaining about how the Browns did Baker dirty 25 years from now, if Twitter's (laughs) still around at that point. But the reality is for most of these people, it'll be water under the bridge pretty quickly, I think. Honestly, I think as soon as Baker Mayfield finds his next destination in the NFL, and there may be some lingering resentment among some of these fans for a year or two, at least until, you know, as the old saying goes, time heals all wounds, and it will. I don't think it'll be that much time before, like I said, it really is all water under the bridge. It's just – it. there's obviously a lot of acrimony with how things have transpired right now, but I think what's increasing that acrimony – is the fact that everything just seems to be in a holding pattern right now. Everything yeah. is so stagnant. Mayfield's still on the Browns roster, but it's blatantly obvious that he's not going to be with the team come week one in 2022. And so everybody's just waiting for some type of resolution right now. You, think about this, Jay. Here's the analogy I'll make. It's like... Sitting in court during the divorce proceedings, right? Mm-hmm. And not too, not too long in the future. Here's what will happen: the papers will be signed, the two parties will part ways, and they'll go on with their lives. But in the moment, yeah, there's a lot of tension in that room.
0: Uh huh. That's perfectly said. I think, uh, I think I understand. I I get it more than the than usual, more than most folks because. I understand how passionate Oklahoma fans are now they want to protect their guys, and you know I live in Columbus, Ohio, so I certainly get the passionate college football fan base more than more than the average person so i hope I do hope that Baker this has never been this has been a podcast that wishes nothing but good things for Baker Mayfield. So I do hope he lands on his feet wherever he goes, gets an opportunity to have a successful career and both ways can somehow find good out of all of this. So Parker, man, this was fantastic stuff all the way around. I know the listeners of this podcast will uh, feel like they know all three Oklahoma players better and, and hopefully can agree that we have settled a little bit of the beef here between Oklahoma fans and Browns fans. We, we made strides. We started the conversation. We'll see where it goes from here. Time heals all wounds. We appreciate you so much, man. Absolutely, Jake, anytime. Take care. That's a wrap for today's episode, guys. Thanks to Parker for joining today's show, and thanks to you guys for continuing to check out these shows on a weekend basis, which is just awesome to me. It's a great weather weekend, at least here in Ohio if you live this way. Can't speak for anywhere else. We have people listening all over the world to this podcast, which is still crazy to me. But uh yeah, like it's looks like a good weekend for those of you in Ohio. Get out and do stuff, have fun. I know we are gonna we are gonna get out and take advantage of the weather and in in, uh, in our part of Ohio here as a family and and we've already done so this weekend and we'll continue to do so and I hope you do as well. So I uh, appreciate you guys checking out today's episode. Continue to check out you know the rookie minicamp stuff going on this weekend up in Cleveland and where it's just so funny some of the questions that get asked are so so focused in on some of the most obvious stuff like hey Cade York have you talked to Phil Dawson? Yeah, I mean, kind of who cares he'll he'll probably talk to Phil Dawson like let's just kind of move off of Phil Dawson you know let's ask some different questions here hopefully we get some more insightful stuff uh, you know from from some folks covering it up there I think Fred does a great job but then there's some uh, pretty boring uh pretty boring conversation points that happen over and over again so we can maybe learn a little something new about these rookies that would be great if we could so um, keep your eye on what goes on up there we have great film room content coming this weekend I think you should enjoy it if you check out the OBR some of the higher picks those will be live otherwise guys have a great weekend we will have some sort of Sunday content for you on this channel not sure what it'll look like at this point but we'll have something so come back and check out the OBR film breakdown tomorrow as well thanks guys have a great Saturday and go Browns